Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar, and it has been a few minutes since I've gone live. I took the privilege of taking the day off, quite frankly, uh, actually more like the week off um, last week, um, because I needed it, honestly. Uh, I, I needed a major break, and I went ahead and took one. But a lot of things happened in uh, the time that I was gone. And for those of you who pay attention, uh, this James Webb telescope has had everyone fascinated by the images that are coming back from our universe, looking back in time, billions of years. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, you know, this is not what this talk is about, although it, it could easily fit right in. Um, the, uh, the actual telescope has been you know, irrevocably or irreversibly damaged um, by uh, you know, some meteorites hitting it. And I'm going to share this with you real quick. This is not what this discussion is about, but I want to read it to you. And it starts out, there's a picture of the, the actual telescope, and it says, scientists are reporting that damage sustained to James Webb's uh, space telescope during the micrometeoride strike late in May 2022 may be worse than first thought. A new paper published in the wake of Webb's incredible first images last week, a group of scientists outlined the performance of the space telescope during its commissioning phase. They reported problems that cannot be corrected, as well as small effect on telescope throughput, which is not yet measurable. They said, writing about the projected lifetime of the Webb telescope, the report said at present, the largest sort of source of uncertainty is long-term effects of micrometeoroid impacts that slowly degrade the primary mirror. As I previously reported, Webb's primary 6.5-meter mirror comprises 18 beryllium gold segments, one of them called C3, was struck by a small dust particles between May 23rd and 25th. Since the launch, the uh, since the since launch, Webb has been struck by five other smaller meteor micrometeoroids. One minor strike per month is roughly what engineers predicted pre-launch. After initial assessments, the teams found the telescope is still performing at a level that exceeds all mission requirements, said Thomas Zerbuchin. Associate Administrator of NASA Science Mission Directorate in a tweet after the C3 strike. However, the new report suggests that the damage to the C3 segment could be more serious than first thought. Of the six micrometeoroid strikes thus far detected uh, through the wavefront sensing, five had negligible effects, reads the report. Wavefront sensing refers to the aberrations found in Webb's optics. By contrast, the micrometeoroid, which hit segment C3 in the period of 
22nd through 24th of May 22, UT, caused significant uncorrectable change in the overall figure of that segment. There's so much more in here that we can talk about. But what I want to do, and the reason why I brought that up, is because ultimately what we've got here, and it's, and it's, it's very challenging, what we've got here is possibly the most important development in interstellar understanding of the world around us, the beginnings of time, understanding, is there another Earth? Can we find another Earth if we needed to find another Earth since we've bastardized the Earth that we're on currently, uh, et cetera? And so ultimately, the, the, the real question comes down to how in the world we came up, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $11 billion even create this one telescope, $11 billion. And you, you think to yourself, well, you know, in, in, in the proverbial sense, that's a drop in the bucket, okay? But imagine what we are expecting to do with this James Webb telescope. What is it that we're expecting to get out of it? Just a bunch of pictures? Oh, this is really intended to, you know, further space exploration, further our understanding and, and help hopefully solve some problems that we have on earth, you know, through an understanding of, uh, of the larger universe. But as you can see from the images, we're, we're, we're a dust speck. We're, we're, a, we're a grain of sand on the beach. We're a grain of sand on the beach, really. Okay. And this $11 billion satellite, this, you know, slash telescope, took every brain that we had and then some they partnered with SpaceX of course you know it's a, and this public private partnership is there giving once again credit to someone like a you know someone like a Elon Musk who quite frankly doesn't really deserve any credit the United States government could have hired SpaceX not made it a public private partnership they could have just simply gone out and hired them as a contractor, put it out for bid, and then hired them. What I think is really damning on this is that we have existential problems going on right here, right now. And the standard response we get to most from most people, I should say, when we talk about, you know, such an enormous expenditure is where are we going to find the money? And Somebody up there said, nice, we're going to talk about something other than budgets. <laughs> Poor guy, I'm going to put you up there, Jonathan. He's like, nice, I thought this would be about infinite budgets and glad for a cosmic topic. Well, it's a cosmic topic with an economic component. Um, but obviously, this thing that we've invested huge amounts of money into, relatively speaking, um, you know, is now damaged. And goals and objectives for such a such an incredibly important investment in our futures, in our exactly exact, exact um, I don't even know what you want to call it, in our trajectory for where we go from here, right? We we're standing here like dumbasses with our thumb up our ass, literally trying to figure out where we can find the money for the most basic things. In fact. 
I watched a phenomenal, I was like just binge watching any and every documentary I could find on this James Webb telescope. It, it was like the single most important thing I had seen in like forever. And one of the astronauts who is paid to be an astronaut, paid to be an economist, paid to be an astronaut, sat there in this documentary talking about how, uh, yes, the price tag is extremely high, but really when you think about it across all of us, it's really less than like a, a cup of coffee a day and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking to myself, you just launched possibly the most important telescope into orbit so that we can learn about the beginnings of time and see the the universe, the real universe, that create more than the known universe, create the even more known universe, right? And they're sitting there worried about pieces of paper. They're worried about money. They're worried about cost. Now, I don't know if this is NASA not understanding or NASA dealing with budgets because that's the way our politicians deal with it. I don't know if it's because of this neoliberal approach that puts the emphasis on the private sector to invest in projects like this. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. But I do know this. What a great opportunity for all of us to show what is absolutely possible in the world around us, to show what we can do with our sovereign currency. Because each exploration, each mission that we do, feeding off the information we get from the James Webb telescope, is going to cost money that you never even thought possible. It's going to be an astronomical, there we go, it's going to be an astronomical cosmic budget, right? And how do you figure that we're going to be able to wrap our brains around spending goods? I mean, you still have people sitting there talking about how, where do we find this money to give Ukraine help? I mean, people are still trying to figure out how to answer the question of where are you going to pay, how are you going to pay for it? And to me, at this moment in time, what could be more important? Than shattering the myth that we can't afford to do these things. Using something that's got everyone's attention right now. Everyone is looking at this. I mean, you've got these random people showing constant pictures that have come from this James Webb telescope. Constant people. Everyone's focused on it. Is this not the exact opportunity to expose? how we fund things and to get it out there so that we can do great things. I mean, imagine I'm envisioning us sitting on this earth, looking up at the sky and going, Oh, but if we could just do this, well, we can obviously do it. We've proven the technology. We have the minds to create the technology. We have the systems to understand the astrophysicists, you know, equations. And that can make all these great leaps into the future. We've got all of it. But we're still being hamstrung by this concept of money and how we even get there. It's ridiculous, is it not? I mean, this to me seems like the fundamental foundational push.
push that we need to be able to expose it and and to be able to reactivate regular people people normies i hate to say it like that but people that don't understand federal finance and that don't want to fucking understand federal finance okay they don't want to understand these things so as far as this goes i want to recommend to us all to take a step back and think about what the implications are of this enormous finding of this enormous like if that telescope never did another thing it literally gave us enough information to last probably the rest of my lifetime dissecting and going through and figuring out but if we can do that how is it we can't come up with the basic 1 trillion dollars for healthcare or however much it is how is it that we can't come up with pieces of paper freely keystroke by our congress to solve climate crisis? How is it that we can't do these things? We have no, of course, that we can. But when you and I and the rest of our friends and everyone else don't know this stuff, exactly, I'm going to pull this up. When we don't know this stuff, moments like Sri Lanka, which Fadal Kaboob wrote a great piece that was published by Stephanie Kelton's The Lens Substack, exposes in spades Sri Lanka is not an MMT thing. And and all the bashing and the fraudulent claims by these worthless piles of shit that are literally fighting us tooth and nail against everything that matters to us. Everything that matters to us is completely not possible. It's not possible because we lack the political will to do so and we lack the understanding at an activist level to sharpen our pitchforks and go. Stephanie Kelton put an article out also in her lens that talked about, hey, Joe Biden, the pitchforks aren't coming. And I'd like to proffer up a statement. There are a lot of people out there that have literally attacked activists that are trying to fight for these big, bold plans, these big initiatives, and are outraged that they're acting like we don't have the money for it. While simultaneously, filing and grinding our pitchforks down to a nub. You see, we have already watched electoral politics fail us because people, and I'm going to put this up to the elitists out there that want to rub elbows and communities of, of power. And because of the way that a lot of these uh, you know, power-seeking people, these people that have political aspirations, tone police and push anyone away that's not directly in lockstep supporting their power structure, okay? These gatekeepers. They are literally grinding down the pitchforks of activists who are willing to fight all in the name of tone. All, then they come out with these words like, well, we got to frame it differently or we got to whatever differently. I don't see any, any path forward under the I'll vote and then I'll go to brunch method. I don't see any path forward with the I'll vote and go to brunch method at all. And just teaching people about economics assumes something fatally flawed, fatally flawed. And the fatal flaw is that these people are just ignorant. And if they just learned, everything would be okay. This is the fatal flaw in many of my fellow MMT friends understanding. 
They believe that it's just a simple misunderstanding. That people simply don't understand that money's a creature of government and that we can create as much of it as we want, you know, using this thing, the printing press, the keyboard, right? They don't realize that's how it works today. And even the MMTers that do understand that they feel like we just got to play patty cake with the Democratic Party. And if we play patty cake with the Democratic Party, everything will just miraculously be fine. As long as we follow them in their very narrow rank and file, very, very narrow pathway through directly behind them, saying exactly what they say and nothing different. And so guys like myself who are adamant fighting, who's trying to be that bridge between the people that have just nihilistically checked out of the system and people that recognize that electoralism hasn't served them well, okay? And that team party politics don't get these kinds of subjects addressed. The people I'm talking to literally want to burn the fucking structure down. They want to burn the system down, but they don't understand the system. So the idea of them burning it down is a bit laughable at times. Okay. So the idea here to me is that when you ask, well, what are we going to do? Well, I'm saying, look at this fucking telescope. Look at the world. We are nothing. We're infinitesimal. These pieces of paper are nothing. Nothing. We've got to survive. The paper is nothing. You can pay people whatever we need to pay to make society better. But it's fundamentally understanding that the reason they're not doing these things is not because they're just ignorant and they don't simply know. They do know. Do know. But neoliberal people riding in the in the catbird seat and all these positions of power also know that you don't know and that you're not willing to sharpen your pitchfork. Because you're too busy letting the gatekeepers, because you want to curry favor, you want to get your um, clout chasing, you want to bond with the bigs because you think somehow or another, suckling at their teeth, living in their womb, holding on to them and spooning them, and somehow or another, stroking them and making them feel all important. You think that somehow or another, ignoring your most important base needs, like fixing your teeth and getting your heart fixed and taking care of your family, and making sure you have health care, making sure we have a Green New Deal. You, They think that by you doing that, somehow or another, you've gone rogue, you're a renegade, and that you're no longer under the same purpose, that you're not fighting for the same thing. Well, I'm here to tell you, when I read Stephanie Kelton's paper about the pitchforks aren't coming, it made me realize how many gatekeepers and how many pitchfork grinders were surrounded by. And this, this little soiree of people that aren't really willing to die for a cause or really willing to fight in a way that, that really captures the pain and suffering of people that have exposed nerves in their rotten teeth. When, the, when that's too much to talk about, when, that's, when the guy with the hurt tooth is the bad guy, and not the people living La Vida Loco who are acting like the guy with the bum tooth is the bad guy. Something's fucked up, right? Something's fucked up that the people that are doing well are the barometer by which we judge the emergency of the situation as opposed to the suffering. And many people act like it's just 
It's just the way it is. There is no alternative. We have to let them suffer regardless. Each mission that we would do to outer space, if conducted as a public purpose entity as opposed to a private public-private partnership or whatever, each one of these things is going to be insanely expensive in both paper and resource and expertise. Every one of them. Every one of them is going to require significant investments. Investments that we currently aren't making yet today. So where will the money come from to do those vast, crazy experiments? Where will that money come from? Will it come from private investment because they're trying to tear away the idea of public money? Or will it come from public purpose spending from our currency-issuing federal government? This is the divide between neoliberalism and, and real honest-to-God, you know, citizen-driven government. They're looking to turn this beautiful thing, this, this, this incredible telescope, into another market. Hey, here's a great opportunity to grow markets, to create more profit centers, to create more private sector wealth. And by wealth, I'm not talking about spread amongst the people. I'm talking about a select group or two, like an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos. Okay. We have enough money. And just to say the term, we have enough money, is a lie on its face. We create money. We have no money. We, have, we don't not have money. We create money. We're like a, a blue star giving birth to other baby stars. That's what the federal government is with its currency-issuing power. But yet we allow these gatekeepers and these tone policers and these party sycophants and these power people, these people that want power and are willing to eliminate progressives and activists from various spaces and literally steal away any platform or, or positioning they have in the name of controlling the message, in the name of controlling our own political aspirations, in the name of recentering and refocusing the power dynamic on us. Now, most people are not geared up to fight a 24 by 7 political campaign to defend their honor and defend their name and to defend their work, etc. But for those who are very privileged and have wealth backing them, they can literally unleash an onslaught, whether it be bad press, like the right wing has been doing with MMT with the Sri Lanka stuff, or worse, they can privately create an atmosphere behind the scenes where they tell two friends and so on within their community to ignore certain groups, certain activists, certain people speaking in a way that's more bold than they want spoken. And so in this protective environment, this protective cocoon, where these folks seeking political power, there is a deafening silence as the suffering of people that are literally fighting day in and day out to bring this stuff to fruition struggle to even get a word out. Like I literally 
took last week off because I was so disgusted with the drama that exists inside of activism. It's grotesque to me. You have this huge mission, this fucking important mission to save our lives, to save our planet, to make it habitable, to save the animals. And if you think about mass extinctions and asteroids hitting the earth and the die-off and the ash and the rebirth and so forth, we've had a bunch of extinctions throughout history. We've had a bunch of extinctions. What's, I mean, it's like we almost pretend like it's not possible again. It's like we, we can't fathom that another mass extinction could happen. And that the images and all the information, all the chemical information. I mean, I was watching this thing on the solar probe, this, this solar satellite, basically, solar probe floating within the atmosphere of the sun. Really beginning to understand the way that energy works within the sun. And in the end, the fact of the matter is, We've got so much information to provide us with the necessary steps to save ourselves from extinction. And yet we are still being cock-blocked by corporate interests, gatekeepers, the false scarcity narrative, etc. One doesn't need to look far to see people like Jason Furman and this guy Wolfers uh, who wrote in the Washington Post a shit attack on MMT and so forth that have literally gotten every establishment hack. Jackasses like David Andolfato, people that were at the Fed that are like mocking. These are world-renowned economists that have worked in the Fed, that are teaching in universities, literally spending their day attacking activists not punching up at the politicians not punching up at the gatekeepers not punching that but literally attacking the little people that are fighting for their existence but see there is a power elite they go on yachts they live la vida loco insulated from any of the real pressures that we as the other people have to deal with. Just like many of the union bosses, just like so many that are supposed to be our protectors in Congress, just like so many who run for office and say one thing, get in office, and the next thing you know, they're calling someone mama bear. Why is it that we can't find politicians or real frontline leaders that are willing to be either a one-term rep and make a big splash and expose things why is it i mean are they threatened do they walk in the door threatened that they're going to kill their families do they get some dirt on them to hold over them and they take them in some dark room show them the dirt and say if you ever cross us this is what's going to be done well, what I mean, I, I mean, 
what else could it be? I, I can't imagine why these bougie people, even friendly people, people that you care about and love, and maybe you think they have great ideas, but these people that literally try to cut your legs out from under you, excommunicate you, shrink your voice, literally duplicate your work and shred you behind the scenes. I mean, I think to myself, we have this major calamity facing us, this existential crisis facing us. We've got the technology to go and see billions of light years away. And yet we can't simply get a single payer system in the United States to provide us healthcare. This is not, by the way, this is not one of those stupid memes out there. How come we can come up with $40 billion for Ukraine, but we can't come up with money for people to eat? Well, I guess it's a, I guess it's a reasonable question, but it shouldn't be a question at this point. We already know we could do it. They won't do it. The question is why? What is the motivation? And so once you get into motivation, you start beginning to understand that your childlike belief that the Democrats are really fighting for you. Instead of believing instead in us and saying, instead of saying, this is what I need. I don't care who you are. I don't care what party you are. This is what I need. This is what we collectively need. Instead of staying on that path, we bend a knee and we go back to spooning our betters, trying to suckle and curry favor because we think somehow or another it's going to have a big impact on our life by having them retweet our shit, by having them like our comment. All the while, all the energy is being sucked away from uniting people against this fundamental bullshit, this theater that we think that somehow or another we're going to change by pretending they just don't know the answer. They just don't know. The, but, if we, but if we just educated those people that run the Fed, if we just educated the people that run the Treasury, if we just educated... Just like any revolutionary, when you understand that anytime you make an action, there's always someone waiting to take back your gains, whether it be in the union, wherever it is, there's always a counter-revolutionary force waiting to knock you down. The question is, why? What is the point? I have a sneaking suspicion, and I take this from Howard Zinn. I don't believe the government was ever put there the way it is to represent we the people. It was always there to protect wealthy landowners, private property. It was always that. And every layer of institution that's piled on top of it has been there to reinforce that protection of private property and capital and the wealth. From the dawn of this nation, which we came into the door stole the land, killed the Indians, killed the indigenous people, killed everyone, imprisoned people, jailed them, et cetera. 
we have had one goal and that's our government's goal to protect the wealthy in this community because they are the only real citizens. Every one of us is a neo-colonial serf. We are somehow or another colonized in the mind, colonized in our property, colonized in our work, colonized in every fashion. And as Fadal Kaboob says, you can't decarbonize till you decolonize, okay? Well, we are absolutely believing this fake narrative that they're there to protect us, that they're there to do for us. And you believe it without any, without any evidence to the belief that they're actually doing this. Remember Nancy Pelosi's green dream as opposed to the Green New Deal? And Biden saying flat out, I'm not a socialist. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I don't believe in a Green New Deal. I'm for Build Back Better. And he came up with this hodgepodge of bullshit. That's not to say everything in the Build Back Better was horrible. I want to be clear. But it wasn't great. And it was very, very typical. And Biden had already said nothing will fundamentally change. And he meant it. It wasn't, it wasn't like some, uh, you know, slogan. He was literally telling them that. And so the fake belief, you know, somebody said, uh, I think it was Ro Khanna recently just came out and Jordan Cheriton and the gang covered this, but Ro Khanna came out and said, basically Biden cannot be beaten a primary challenge. He's not wrong. Biden can't be beaten a primary challenge, but we have to always revisit history to explain why, why I don't know. But these gatekeepers keep facilitating this myth that somehow or another the Democrats are really where we can get some things done. Okay. And the absence of anything else, it's electorally all we have. Electorally. Don't, seriously, I've done the third party game. Please don't, please, please don't fuck with my intelligence. The Greens have been around forever and have done absolutely none yet. And that same goes, and I'm, when I say Nanya, I don't, I'm not worried about the, the electoral part of it as much. I'm worried about they haven't even organized, they haven't even built up a case for being with them other than we're not Democrats. So we're in this weird thing. So to me, the only path forward, because I don't believe you can elect your way to the power dynamic within the party structures. I believe they've got enough barriers there to block it short of us being ungovernable and making them, forcing them, taking it seriously like the Sri Lankans are. But we won't do that because there's gatekeepers busy filing down the pitchforks telling us, oh, no, 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 they're just trolls. They're just trolls. Believe me, Joe Biden's got a plan. Joe Biden's got a plan. The squad has a plan. Show me the plan. Show me, like, there's been so many great bills that we've had on the Macro and Cheese show. We've talked about the eCash bill. We've talked about the ABC bill. We've talked about all these various things. We've talked about a Green New Deal. We've talked about job guarantee. We've talked about these things. But there's no one willing to fight for it. There's no one willing to fight for it. And so a guy like me who sounds like a fucking moron constantly talking about a Green New Deal when there's not a single politician willing to stand up and say, holy Christ, we need a Green New Deal. Short of that, we 
are it. We outside of that structure are it. And we can't get out of our own way because everybody checks out and goes off and does their own fucking thing. That's the deal. That's the punch back at activists. We all fancy ourselves, you know, so important that we just bounce around instead of staying focused, dealing with something, even if it gets tough, even if it's hard, even if it takes time, even if it takes sacrifice. You got to stay on something because you sure as hell will kill it when you just pull out and walk away. I'm going to do something else. You know? And so in order to quote unquote force government to do something, you've got to have a movement backing you. You must have a movement. Harvey K talked about this at length. And ironically, Alan Minsky of the Progressive Democrats of America spoke about it at length. Give them credit. They're really looking at this thing differently. But I got to tell you, without a credible threat to the power structure as it is, nothing will fundamentally change. And thinking you can just show up at your local Democratic hall and just take it over is ridiculous. They know that that's what we want to do. They know that the powers to be the people that are in in the structure, in the hierarchy. No, that's what we want to do. They have got so many bylaws and other gatekeepers and people that are not elected, but literally block any kind of movement from the grassroots or roll it back in, water it down and turn it into build back better instead of a green new deal. Okay. We are at a point where if you want to see progress. You've got to be willing to organize outside of the parties where they're not going to co-opt you, where they're not going to tell you that you're wrong, where they're not going to sit there and, you know, basically fuck with you. Because ultimately when you stop their car from getting to work in the morning, when you block traffic and you're out there holding hands in a human chain across a major roadway, when you're willing to use strike tactics like unions do to block entryway into certain things, and you're willing to finally take and pay the price for civil disobedience, that's when you'll see the change happen. But the Democrats aren't going to do that to the Democrats. The Democrats won't even critique Joe Biden. Though poll after poll after poll show that Democrats have no faith in Biden or Kamala. I mean, you have a major, major thing, a major, major thing coming right here, right now with this telescope and with climate change happening. I mean, for those of you all out there watched, there was this scene where this guy was filming and he heard some loud noise and he was right there at like a, a little ridge because he heard the ice cracking and the glacier. And he sat there, and all of a sudden, you see the water burst forth over the edge of the mountainside. That's warming. That is, boy, oh, boy, you talk about sea rise, and you talk about ice melt. You talk about glaciers slipping into the ocean, knocking off the ice shelves that keep the glaciers up on land, and then watching them slip in the displacement of that water destroying coastal communities, the algae blooms that come from the ice melting. And then on top of it, 
all the destruction from the tsunamis. And yes, you're right. Power understands power. And we must form a counterforce that scares the establishment. God, why is, oh, I want to put that up there because I agree with that comment 150%. That is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not waiting in line for some Democratic candidate or some Democratic gatekeeper to tell me it's okay to fight for Medicare for all. I'm not waiting for Joe Biden to realize that the Green New Deal was better than Build Back Better. I'm not waiting for somebody to tell me that they're going to fight Joe Manchin or Kristen Cinema or whoever. I want us collectively working. Now, I have no I have no standing. I'm just a dude with a mic and a camera and a website, etc. I can only hope that people hear what I'm saying and say, yeah, Yeah, I I hear you loud and clear. And not in some wild esoteric language like surplus value and, you know, theory of blah, blah, blah. You know, labor theory of value. Fuck. Most people are like, what? Boom, gone. And I'm a socialist. But you can't speak that way and build that momentum. We have got to find a way to get people to realize whether or not you are a socialist, a progressive, a communist, an anarchist, or whatever, that we're facing an existential crisis right here, right now. And without us uniting together in this truth, lifting each other up, building that up, sharing that around, building common energy, instead of All the energy gets sucked up by people chasing after the headliners, and the headliners are always political creatures. They use very careful language, very scripted speech, very, very gentle, keeping in friendly, you know, relations with the establishment, blah, blah, blah. Instead of coming down and saying, I am going to impact you by fundamentally making you afraid of the pitchfork that I did not dull or grind down. Until we make them realize we are tired of our teeth rotting out of our mouth. Until we make them realize we're tired of fearing for the axe to fall every time there's a change in the economy. Instead of doing any of that. We... I see people nonstop suckling right into that power dynamic. Like they need a hero. They need a hero. And that hero sadly will march them right back to the establishment and right back into dulling their spear, grinding down their pitchfork and neutering them. Taking away their passion, taking away, instead turning it into a, you know, it's like if I only had a teacup and I could put my pinky out, I want to live and I want my kids to have a future. And I don't know of any way there short of emulating what unions used to do, taking union tactics and doing what unions do, taking class struggle unionism to the streets on these very important existential issues. 
I don't know what else to do aside from that. Other than know that every time I see an establishment boutique person, a gatekeeper, basically telling us, you're all wet behind the ears, mister. You can't organize and occupy Wall Street outside of the Democratic Party. You must re-enter. You must bring people that talk about austerity all the time. You must elect them because the alternative is so much worse. I can't live that way. Maybe you can, but I can't. And I'm tired of dealing with people telling me, yes, there's all these great things. Yes, we're going to have a Green New Deal. Yes, we're going to go for Medicare for all. Yes, yes, yes. Only the minute it gets hard, they roll back in, tuck tail, and support the very oppressors that created the problem in the first place. You know? There's always so, you know, it's funny. Um, Lisa P925 says, you know, yeah, calm down, stay civil. That's the message that's oftentimes given to us. And listening to David Graeber and Wengro's book, The Dawn of Everything, you realize that civility was always intended. Politeness comes from polity, which comes from basically. This whole idea of tone policing people from fighting for what they need, for fighting for their own needs. And it's, it's been there since those words came into being. And so the politeness community, the, the entire tone police community is busy grinding down your pitchfork based on a lie that every single one of these people is simply just a misguided person. Now, mind you, let me tell you, listening to not only Warren Mosler talk about his interactions over the years with politicians, but listening also to even Stephanie Kelton talking about these various people, listening to Foddle and others, they have explained it in spades to everyone from Rashida Tlaib to AOC to Ilhan Omar to uh, you know, obviously John Yarmouth, who gets it. Uh, Ro Khanna has heard it. Many have heard it. But the answer always comes back to, I can't say that. Well, why can't you say that? Why can't you tell the truth? Why? Because they're protecting their place in the pecking order. They would rather support a lie and maintain their power than expose the lie. Maybe they are a one-term person, but they open the door for a floodgate of other truth tellers. We are filled with people that are after their own power that are so egotistical and so maniacally addicted to their own whatever that rather than empower the people to fight back, they would rather make up stories that, uh, you know, I, I can't say that in public. I, you are so right. It is a corporate duopoly and all the rest is theater. You're God blessed right. You're so right. You're so right, Alan. So, 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 so right. And, and so as I'm, I'm watching this, I'm saying to myself, you need a politician. You're, I, I don't know, you all remember AOC said she was willing to be a one-term politician? I do. That's what we need people willing to do. We need them willing to do that. We need them willing to be a one-term politician if they're able to break through the political theater. 
and get into office. We need somebody willing to take the fall. To, to, to not to go into this knowing that their job is not to be there for 30 years legislating, but to literally crack open the floodgates so that the people stop being stifled by this fake austerity narrative. And I get these trolls on Twitter. What are you suggesting, Steve? I've only said it a thousand times. And because I took the time to do it in live stream, no, I'm not going to repeat it word for word in writing for you in a Twitter throw with 240 characters or less. You want to find out? Fucking listen to my goddamn podcast. If you don't like my podcast, don't ask me questions. You know what I'm saying? Don't ask me fucking questions if you're not going to listen to the stuff because I'm not going to keep repeating it over and over again. As it is, I repeat stuff over and over again because I can't get people that are activists like you that are watching. Many of you all, thank God, get this and you understand you're out there daily fighting the grind. But we're at a point now where the idea of educating politicians is less the issue and more educating our media, educating other activists, educating other groups, educating influencers that aren't a part of the power elite, but that have large followings to mesh this and intermesh this. Instead, teach down to make sure that everyone out here knows so that we can fight back. The problem is, is that even down here, we are filled with a different form of sicko gatekeeper. I'm like, I see grime a worm tongue. Oh, surely you're the best, your majesty. Surely they're disrespecting you. Surely all this stuff. Imagine, imagine if we didn't allow them to do that kind of shit to us. And imagine if we treated that kind of gaslighting as violence. Imagine if we treated that as violence because they're standing between us and our salvation. They're standing between us and survival. They're standing between us and actually getting our teeth fixed. They're standing between us and unifying to fight back. Instead, they're busy currying, rolling you back into the fold, rolling you back into the fold, rolling you back into the fold to where your voice is non-existent. I love the idea of helping other countries recognize their own strength. I love the idea of recognizing other people around the world and their struggle against the oppressive U.S. regime that has imposed dollar hegemony and all the, the swift system that they've used to keep them at, you know, in line. I, I applaud them when they try to fight back, just like I applaud us when we fight back against the oppression that we have from these gatekeepers, these pol politeness people these people that are glad-handing and tone-policing and everything else who are literally stopping us from sharpening our pitchforks. They're there to pour water on our fire. They're there to stifle us, to keep us from being serious and fighting back. They keep trying to humanize these people above that are holding us down. They keep trying to make excuses for them and try to pretend like they're okay. They are public servants, whether it's theater or not. 
And every time someone dies without health care, it's one of these son of a bitch's fault. It's the fault of the low-level people who are clumsily supporting these high-level people and protecting them. How dare you say something bad about my favorite politician? How dare you bash Bernie or bash the squad or bash whoever? How dare you? So, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, if you can't, if you literally cannot fight back for your life, our lives, without having someone, you know, I mean, think about it. AOC, if you're willing to really be a meaningful leader, we're willing to fight back. But the minute you capitulate, you're done. You're gone. Your history. Goodbye. There is no let's have a balanced thing. They're fucking killing us. This isn't about balance. Balance is gone. We're trying to survive. I mean, I'm so tired of hearing that's not a very balanced position there. It's a little unhinged. Will you try going to sleep with a nerve exposed in your gaping hole of a tooth as you have swelling in your jaw going up into your ear causing headaches? You try telling someone that's like that, and that would be me, by the way. Give it a shot. You try telling them, you're just out of line, mister. You need to understand these politicians, they've got a tough job. Well, it's only tough because they're trying to hold on to power. That's the only reason it's tough. The minute they stop trying to retain power, they will become more powerful than, it's like Obi-Wan, I've become more powerful in death than in life. Think about the message from Obi-Wan Kenobi on that one. I know it's silly, I know it's Star Wars, but there's a real message there. Sometimes. To be strong, you must be willing to pay the price. And it's only a price if you go in there expecting to stay there forever. If your goal is to save people's lives, then your price is that I did what I could to get elected. I did everything I could in those four years to help people out by exposing the lies. And then I go back to private sector living. Fine whatever it takes, by any means necessary. But you're right, we cannot. It, there you go, right there, bam. We can't vote our way out of this. We have to get past the culture war BS and unite against the economic warfare. In this case, the economic warfare is bring, bringing another battle, and that's the environment. And now we've got the space battle. So I'm going to end this on this note because I've got to get back to work. You've got more opportunity now than ever to show how important it is to understand that we can spend anything we need to solve any problem we need through the use of this telescope. And I'm going to go ahead and share my screen one more time. And I want you to think about this. When you go through here and you realize this, I'm going to put it down here, a $10 billion space telescope that sees in the infrared web launched on christmas day 2021 and has, has since february 
been orbiting the L2 point about a million miles, 1.6 million kilometers from Earth. This is what we're dealing with right here. That massive of an expenditure and that massive of a technological resource, it is that far away. We did that. We achieved that. Humanity did that. And it did that at a price tag. And again, when you've got the astronauts busy, say, hey, no, don't worry about the cost because it's only a cup of coffee. Don't worry. It's really a good investment, blah, blah, blah. You never hear that. I mean, that that space that space telescope was one-fourth the amount of money given to Ukraine last month. That's it. Just to put it in perspective. And look at the benefit we got from just a small one-year mission. Now, mind you, you got to pay all the salaries of the people monitoring it. You got to do all the other things. But the fact of the matter is, in the end, our survival is dependent on us making regular normies, people that watch Rachel Maddow and people that watch Fox News, not beat them up, but wake them up and shake them up and shake the structure up so that we can get them to understand we're not your enemy. The austerity is our enemy. And until we fight back and take control, if, if which we won't do, by the way, not to put it down, a damper, but we will not do this as long as people are still looking at these rich people, love them to death, but looking at them and waiting for them to tell us about their sensibilities. As you're sitting there with a gaping hole in your tooth with exposed nerves and say, okay, I'll be patient, dude. You're right. Do that. I'll be patient. You go make hay with the Democratic Party. Not going to get it done. So with that, I'm Steve Grumbine, and I am the Rogue Scholar, and I hope you guys will check out our Macro and Cheese podcast. So hopefully I will see you all soon. In the meantime, I'm out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.